It is the Mickey Sizzy Podcast. Well, you know, we're back. Back at it. Yes, again, the drive for five. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here, season two, episode five. And uh, I can't lie. I can't lie coming into this episode. I want to be hot. I want to be angry. Some bad things just went down. But but we got a lot to talk about, and we'll, and we'll cover it. You know, it's okay. Woo-saw. Let it ride. We're okay, Miami. We're just going to do something that's never been done before in the NBA. Right? Right? Okay. We'll talk about it. Anyway. NBA, NFL, person of the week. You know that's where we're going to start. But first and foremost, I got to introduce my main man, Mickey Hines. What's going on tonight in the dark? Well, it is pretty dark. It's pretty late. But what's going on? Season two, episode five. The Lakers Suns game three is live. Julio oh. Julio Jones said goodbye. Dizzy oh. winning this debate is a lie. Popcorn <laughs> thrown and Trey being spit on. When LeBron loses in the first round, catch me celebrating in the lawn. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're coming at you. Super hot fire. I'm liking a Miami loss. I know Zizzy won't be liking it too much. Uh, we have some really fun kind of off-season debates with the NFL. You already know person of the week uh, as well. Uh, I'm beyond excited. Uh, playoff basketball, I am so dove into it, Mr. Zizzy. Uh, beyond excited. Loving all the storylines and man of moments that you always talk about and the stats that have been happening. But uh, it's great over here in Iowa. Absolutely, absolutely. But, of course, like we always say, I know we want to get into the hot debates. I know there's some hot takes that will probably be flying around this episode. I know that we got some series to discuss and some trade possible trade destinations for our man Julio Jones, question mark. But, as always, we're going to start with our person of the week. And, you know, th- this week, I, we, we usually go first with you, Mickey Hines. But I'll, I'll start us off this week, and you can close it out. Um, but for me, this week, it's actually somebody who I had never met before prior to yesterday. Oh. Uh, but his name, his name is Justin Stafford. Um, I was actually in the gym working out um, before – we got into we went down to play our pool tournament because uh, my roommate Javon and I were in our in a pool league now. I feel like I'm 45 years old, but it's worth it. It's worth it. It's been fun. Um, but anyway, before that, I was working out and I met this guy. Just came in. He was actually looking for his wife's keys, uh, but he stopped and talked to me for a little bit, introduced myself, and then we just started having a conversation. And sat there for like I don't know 20 minutes or whatever, just chatting it up, and got to learn a little bit about him. He got to learn a little bit about me. Uh, I told he asked me what my plans were for the rest of the week. I was just messing around saying like, I don't know, I'm going to be chilling. I'm going to be doing this podcast. And he was like, Oh, let me check it out. So we started talking him up. And I mean, this is why we do it. Honestly, yes, like, I enjoy, like I enjoy just like, like this is fun for us. Like this is like something that we get to enjoy doing. It's sports. It's something that we've always been into our whole lives. But like to be able to have that conversation with somebody who's never been into it before, for him to say he's going to check it out, for him to reach out to me today and text me because he ended up getting my number. I got his, but he was like, hey, just let me know if that ever drops. I'd be interested in hearing about it. Like that, that that's why I mean, that, it was just cool to me. I enjoyed that exchange a whole lot and just like, Stuff like that I can look forward to. So it, it gives me another reason to get on the podcast and shout him out. So, Justin, you've been asking me to drop it, man. It's here for you. I got you. My person of the week. Hey, no, that is so cool. I mean, that's what it's all about, shouting him out. You know, you make a new friendship, potentially another person to be around the area with you, and that's so cool. Hopefully, you know, he does appreciate that shout-out because 
you know, that's what we do here. We spread that positivity and share people's stories, hype people up here on the Mickey Zizzy podcast. Now, amazing. I love it because kind of a, not newer, I've known him this uh, past year working over at Greenwood Elementary where I work. But uh, my person of the week is also someone who kind of introduced me to a few other people this week. <clears throat> and that is Devlin Anderson. He is actually the slash owner slash coach called Jackie Moon of the Quad City United basketball team. They're a semi-pro basketball league that's, like, underneath, you know, going cross seas, uh, going G League, NBA. You know, it's one of those semi-pro teams, and they have 32 people in their league. Never really heard of it before, but he was giving me all the lowdown about it. He actually had two of his athletes come and talk to my students about, you know, listening, respect, all that jazz. And they came and hung out and played basketball with all the kids. And he had about a whole bunch of, you know, free swag. I have a new bracelet on. I have a new lanyard, like. Super cool. I'm going to try to make one of their games. And uh, two of them actually played for the Glo- uh, Globetrotters. Zizzy. Oh, so, awesome. like, so uh, when you talk about yamming it down, they can yam it down. I was checking out the highlight tapes of them. But uh, go check out the Quad City United. Go check out Devlin Anderson. He does great things and trying to, you know, explain his brand. So, person of the week is him for definitely, you know, giving back to the kids. Well, yeah, of course. And, I mean, uh, I mean, it only just – improves your chances of being the greatest PE teacher of all time when you get some exposure like that for the kids. So, oh, we tried. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's awesome. Like, I appreciate that. I got to enjoy anybody that gives back to the community in that way. And then just exposing the brand. Get it out there. I mean, we do the same thing with our podcast every week. Why not them do something that's, like, for a professional league? Like, why the hell not? So uh, that's awesome, man. Shout them out. So, yeah, we might have to, you know, maybe a little sponsorship here and there. Maybe have to do a live coverage. You never know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But, any hooter, let's talk football, Mickey Huns. We got to get into it. It's been – I know it's a big basketball time and we are in the middle of the playoffs, but – I, I think our fans deserve a little bit of a break, just just first and foremost, before we get into all that yet again. Uh, but let, let, let's talk football. And when I say football, I've, I've been saying what's in the news lately. We've got, obviously, some Aaron Rodgers news. But the biggest, biggest thing that's going on right now is Julio Jones, whether he knew it or not, but live on, Shannon, on uh, Undisputed on Fox Sports, says that he's out of Atlanta. What does this mean for the Falcons? What does this mean for him? Where is he going to go? What does this mean for the league? You tell me, Mickey. I mean, uh, I remember I saw this. Like, there's no way. Some people said it was staged and whatnot. And I am very curious to see where he goes. I totally believe all the drama about it. He is definitely out of there. I mean, especially saying it live on television. I know Shannon Sharp might be in trouble with, uh, you know, the news and whatnot. Because when you interview someone, or you call someone on the phone and you are on a podcast or on live on TV, et cetera, you have to let them know, hey, you're being recorded right now. Or when you do an interview, like, hey, we're about to record, ready, one, two, three, kind of stuff like that. And he gave no hesitation. He told them after the fact that he gave the news, like, oh, yeah, I'm out of there, that, you know, he's leaving. So that is crazy to me that thinks that, you know, Shane Sharp might get in trouble, like potential, like fine and stuff like that. So I'm really interested to see where they'll go with it. I mean, I get that, but at the same time, like, Undisputed is run at the same time every day. Shannon Sharp is not, like, a low-profile person walking around. Not at I mean, all. Know, like, like, Julio Jones, in my opinion, would know what would be up in that situation. I mean, you could be right. I mean, he could have said something probably right at the beginning of the phone call, and maybe that's infringement or something on any I, – I mean, 
I don't see why it would be an issue for Shannon Sharp. I mean, it's, it's his job to kind of like find stuff like, uh, out about that and like create a storyline and a narrative around it. I mean, it's just like just part of it in a way. Like, I don't see why he should get in trouble for that. But I mean, he who knows if Julio meant to say that on live television or not. But at the end of the day, he said it. It's kind of like everybody now kind of sees his feelings out in the open. We're starting to hear all the rumors now about him being traded. So it seems like the Falcons now know what's going on. I mean, I mean, it's just more of a just a huge story. This is one of the greatest receivers to ever have played the game. And everybody wants to forget that because last year he was injured and he only played nine games. Well, in those nine games, he still was – I mean, he still had a few games where you could obviously tell the hamstring was bothering him and it wasn't the same. But he still had a few games where he reminded people exactly who he is. Don't forget, this is the same guy that led the league in receiving yards back in 2018. Like, this is not that long ago. This is one of the greatest receivers of all time. He has stellar performances in the playoffs, in the biggest game even, in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. He had an incredible game in stat line. This is somebody that can change the trajectory of a football team moving forward if he goes to the right contender. And with what he's saying on the show, I don't see him going to anyone who isn't a contender. So to me, this is big news. Whether or not it was good uh, – rightfully done by Shannon Sharp. Who cares? I mean, it was done. And this is, this is big time. No, you did say a lot of good things about Julio. Like, I mean, any other quarterback's going to want Julio Jones where he does end up next. That quarterback's going to look good because of him. You kind of look at Matt Ryan and he was actually one of my duos, the quarterback wide receiver duos, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan was going to pop off last year. I was wrong, but Julio Jones is also like, it's crazy. Those stats that, when he's in the in red zone or whatnot, he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns. So that's why people are like, oh, he's not that good. But he stacks up the yards, and he still has to get double covered. When you go against the Falcons, you say, all right, Julio Jones, we have to lock him up to make sure we have a chance to win at this game. That's a no-brainer. Now you put him on a different team. I've heard the Ravens. Uh, you're giving an elite, elite top five receiver to Lamar Jackson, one of the best dual three quarterbacks of all time. Or I've also heard, of the Titans. If the Titans get, oh my goodness, AFC championship bound without a doubt, they'd have AJ Brown. They'd have Julio Jones, Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. All he has to do is sit in the pocket that nice behind that nice good line. Yeah, he in a few rounds. Oh my goodness. Ryan Tannehill is going to be a top 10 quarterback next year. I mean, we put a little disrespect on Ryan because he has Derrick Henry, the best running back in the league. And then AJ Brown's uh, coming up as a superstar. But then you're going to add Julio Jones potentially. Uh, if you want to win Julio, you got to go there. You got to call up Tennessee right now, go to Nashville, and say, let's go party. But I'm going to be interested to see what they do, uh, what he does. And I've also heard, you know, the Cowboys, he said definitely not the Cowboys. He wants to go somewhere winning, which Cowboys are definitely a winning franchise as well. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was kind of disrespectful, but that's kind of where my head's at. And I'm, I mean, I'm just excited. And, you know, the T, the drama of how it came up and how he released it was kind of like, crazy you know and i mentioned you yeah, said you maybe, know that he might not yeah. get in trouble so i mean i hope you're right because i don't want to see shannon sharp get in trouble but like i could see it going the wrong way yeah and i get that and i mean don't get me wrong when you talk about julio to the titans or something i mean that could be scary when you talk about him going to a lot of teams it could honestly be scary but my biggest thing for him why not team up? Because I, I don't know about you. I, I also get the feeling lately, and we can get into that a little bit more, that Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in Green Bay. I, I mean, I just I, – I'm starting to get that feeling more and more and more, and I'm not ready Ooh. to 100% declare that yet. But 
the interviews that we're starting to see for the first time because that he's starting to openly talk about things and starting to confirm the philosophy questions and things of that nature. Why not if you're Julio Jones, figure get in cahoots with him and figure out where you're going. You show up, you show up with somewhere with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers and Julio Jones to a team that is going to be a contender because they're not going to show up to somebody that's not that's already like a scrub or something. They're going to show up to somewhere that has some talent. You're telling me that's not a championship worthy team right then and there. Like that to me, that that's a thought. And that is something that is both scary. of the top 10 quarterback and receiver position. Oh my, you want to talk about number one. Uh, well, who, who, what? I'll who you got maybe there? top five. Oh, oh my goodness. Come on now. I'm telling y'all Julio Jones is going to be right back in that top three fantasy wide receiver uh, conversation. If he is fully healthy, I'm telling you. Ooh, that's it. I, that'll be definitely the debate moving on where he does. Um, definitely creating that NFL offseason drama, which we love hearing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, some other drama, you know, we heard was the goat kicker of all time, Adam oh, Terry retiring. I mean, breaks my heart. All you, exactly. All you can say is he is the legit goat. There is no debate about it like we have about other, you know, positions or other people, other athletes. You know, we're talking if Julio Jones would be a top three receiver next year. But, like, with Adam and Terry, you can't. And that's just, you know, add a little bit more sprinkle, more drama to the uh, NFL offseason. I mean, when he entered the league, Yank, Tom Brady was a was playing at Michigan. Like, yeah. what? Crazy. Yeah. When he was playing, like, he, he is back in the original Madden. Like, yeah. he, he is in <laughs> – like he is in the original Madden. Like he can play. Like when you pull him up for that, it is just straight pixels, and that man is there. And he was still in the league this past season playing. I mean, I don't know how many seasons it ended up being total. I want to. Uh, do you know the number of seasons total? Uh, twenty-four. 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 The man has been in the league as long as I've been alive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is absolutely insane. But he's probably. I, I mean, actually, with his age, he's been in the league. Longer than he's been out of the league at this point, which I mean, I mean, it's, that's a testament. It's a testament to his ability. It's a testament to his work ethic. It's a test. I mean, there's you don't survive that long and do the things that he was doing because he was doing. He was still kicking at a great clip for how old he was. I mean, you don't do the things that you're doing without being an all time great. And for me, I'm with you. This is the all time greatest kicker. And I mean, unless somebody is planning to spend a quarter of a century in the league, I don't know if anybody's going to replace him. <laughs> I mean, Tom Brady's almost probably the only the closest, but he plays quarterback where he gets hit a lot more. Kickers have the best opportunity to do that. Exactly. And I mean, even then, you're not going to sit there and compare a quarterback to a kicker. That's a different conversation. <laughs> but I mean, as far as for kicking, I, I, I just don't, I don't know. I've never even seen. I never, I can't, it, he just did something that you can't contemplate really. And the only reason we can is because he did it. So, I mean, props to him, man. Yeah. I mean, that's our, you know, NFL little free agent talk right there. Not a little off-season Absolutely. talk. I'm just so, who, it was just so cool to see on the news, on social media. Like, he really answered that phone call. So, oh, yeah, I'm out of there, Shannon. I'm out of there. <laughs> Peace out. Like, <laughs> what? On live television? Like, so cool. I mean, I know some people have other things. But I love and I, mean, and I, I like that. I mean, he Julio's never been one to like shy away from something. He's always kept it real as like a player. That's not like he's he's not someone that he's not scared of the spotlight, but he's never like sit there or done anything to where he doesn't speak his own truth either. So, 
Um, it, it was just, I mean, yeah, that's one of those moments where like you don't really expect anybody to do like that. You expect them to be like, oh, come on, Shannon. Like, Why are you doing Why are you put me on the spot like that, man? But I mean, whether he knew it or not, I don't care. And for him to just speak his mind and say what he had to say, I mean, he, he's obviously had made that decision up for a while. So, I mean, I, it's, it's the early beginnings of this. I feel like we're going to hear a lot of trade rumors and talks. Um, I'll obviously be sitting here. I'll be one of those teams that hopes that we could do something like that, but I feel like any team would want him. So it doesn't really matter. We'll figure it out, but yeah, NFL news. It's exciting. I know we still got like three and a half months from the season, everybody, but we get very excited. out here. Oh, the yes, we they do. Got to do it. But Anyway, let's get, let's get to the meat. Let's get to the meat and potatoes of this thing, man. Let's get Let's get in the meat and potatoes. And if you do forget eating your meat and potatoes, go get your men's multivitamin by Pinnacle Supplementation. Use free whoop, whoop. promo code MickeyZizzy for free merch. I know I'm about to get mine coming up. Uh, yeah, great transition right there. You got to shout out Pinnacle, the brand. Uh, we Absolutely. Every time. Shout months. out our man Wiley doing his thing. Their four-month anniversary when they came out. I know it's still short, but business is booming over there for them. But uh, let's talk. NBA, we're watching the game right now. Devin Booker just hit a three. It's 22-21. Loving this game. Uh, but, Yank, where do you want to – let's start with the most fresh Band-Aid ripoff you just had. Uh, the Heat and the Bucks going down three to zero now. How are you feeling? You're, you know, it's been about I 20, mean, 30 well, minutes now after that game. If you want to talk – if you want to talk – if you want to talk logically, I'm feeling, I'm feeling awful. I'm feeling absolutely awful. Uh, no team in NBA history has ever come back from 3-0. But if there's any glimmer of hope, I can sit there and say, you know what, maybe maybe we're the team. Maybe we're the team that set, that uh, breaks history or sets history or does whatever you want to say. But I, I just – I don't know. I mean, the Bucks have been lights out. Giannis doesn't shoot from anywhere that is outside of three feet from the rim. Jimmy Butler, bam. Jimmy Butler's gone missing. Tyler Heroes disappeared. Bam looks a little bit scared until the end, until maybe the second half of this last game. But I mean, when you take back to back blowouts, blowout losses like that, and you go down 3 0 after just handing the Bucks back to back losses to end the regular season and thinking you have all the momentum and thinking everything is coming tied together. I mean, this does nothing but made me think back to the 2012 days where I ever I was living high and everything was awesome, and I could sit here and watch LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh and Ray Allen, and you know, life was good. We were guaranteed that we were going to win pretty much. But instead, I'm sitting here and having to look at Oladipo on the sidelines on crutches, having to watch Jimmy shoot four for three thousand. It feels like. I, I just I, I just don't know. I don't know what has gone on these first three games. I mean, the first game was the first game. And when you outscore somebody from 45 points in the three-point line, you would think you got to pull that one out and at least be down 2-1. But these last two games, I mean, it's a testament to the Bucks. really. They've, they've locked us down on offense. They've – and they've continued to do their thing. They've dominated the paint against us. They've got offensive rebounds. They've done everything that they need to do. And it's been a complete turnaround from them from the last season to this season. Uh, there's a bunch of things I can point out for the Heat that are gone wrong. But the point of it is everything has gone wrong. And, I mean, I know you said earlier you were happy to say that the Heat were down 0-3 because it gives you a feeling that, like, both of us are losing something. But don't forget you picked them, too, to win I this did. Season. Oh, no, oh, no, no, I did. I mean, at the beginning of this, Jank, I thought the Bucks would be the same old Bucks, and I was proven wrong. I mean, I had a feeling maybe they're not. But, you know, in the heat of the moment, when the time came to pick, I thought, you know, I went for your Miami Hustlers, especially with how well they did last year. But, 
Yank, here's some things you like. I just was digesting as watching this game. Game three tonight, I'll kind of go backwards from three, two to one. Um, Miami Heat, Miami Hustlers, as I call them, did not want to be there. They looked tired. Maybe they the, do. You know, they look tired. Home was just kind of like, eh. I mean, Jimmy, 19, 8, and 6, not terrible, but not your superstar, your number one stat you need. Uh, Bam, 17 and 8, like, okay. But then um, America runs on what, Zezzy? Oh, for oh, 4. Don't even. Last time I checked, don't I don't even. want – oh, no, I don't want to hear a 0 for 4. I don't care if, you know, he can't see, like – Go back to oh, game one. <laughs> oh, that is – terrible oh my goodness uh but yeah like i said they looked outplayed they looked like the worst team tonight you know they looked like the lower seed and but the thing is on the bucks Giannis barely even tried tonight 17 for 17 like 17 rebounds 17 points he was just doing his thing and the big reason why uh that he are losing this series is one person true holiday yeah middleton's putting up points 22 and 8 here hitting buzzer beaters over here but Drew Holiday is averaging double-doubles with assists, so that means the ball is going to pass around, and they are scoring the basketball. And he's putting up points. I mean, he was 19-12 and 12 tonight. 19 points, 12 assists. That is exactly the prime stat you want from a point guard. And we don't see it as much anymore, like that high of assists and that high of points. So, I mean, that right there, he was a once-a-time, uh, once a, once a wow, upon a time, uh, Pelican, now with the Bucks. It was a great offseason move for the Milwaukee Bucks, And... You know, he's just been thriving in that role. You look at uh, game two. He had 15 assists, 11 points. There's that double-double. Yeah. He's facilitating the ball, getting people to score. But it also hurts your team when Brian Forbes puts up 22 points, the Bri- best player. Who is this guy? They don't even they don't even spell his name as full Brian. It's Bryn. It's Bryn. <laughs> I know. And then you have Middleton, who uh, 17 points, but on 80% shooting. So he's just, you know, nickel and dime, you know, picking every shot that he, you know, he almost makes every single one. You have 31 and 13 points and rebound for Giannis in game two, but uh, your Heat struggle in game two. You look at 10 points from Jimmy. If you're the all-star, if you're the number one selling jersey for the Miami, you have to have more than 10 points. You got outscored by Dwayne Dedman. Who? Yep. What? Yep. So did yep. Bam. Bam's the rising yep. superstar. I love talking about Bam. He's the future Jokic in the future. And you only put up 16 points and three rebounds. You're supposed to be this elite defender, this elite rebounder that's going to get your triple-double. And you let Dwayne Dedman out-rebound and outscore you? Yank. I mean, I could go on and on. I already talked about, you know, a lot of those things. But, like, they're just being outplayed. They're letting Brooke Lopez go off for 18 points in game one and Drew Holiday go 20 and 11. So, I mean, my big gist, I know I want a big rant right there, is Drew Holiday is just, you know, Cooking up the heat right now, and the heat are cold. But uh, that's my biggest. I, I, really I mean, it's there's not much more to be said about it. I mean, you can go back. I've already seen everybody going all the way back to the trade deadline when people were like, "Oh, they don't want to give up Tyler Hero or some of their young talent to try and go get James Harden." Well, maybe we do look dumb this year for that. But at the same time, like. I don't know. I can't ever say anything about say anything really bad about heat management. I mean, Pat Riley always puts together a team. Eric Spolster always coaches his coaches his tail off. I mean, at the end of the day, I just look at the box score. I mean, you're down. You've, we've been outscored 245 to 182 the last two games. Ooh. I mean, you are, you are getting blown out by 55 basically the last two games combined. I mean. That it, it's atrocious, and you can't really do anything. I mean, the good news is you can't do any worse. Huh. You can't do any worse going into game four. At least I don't think you can. So, 
the best thing is to take it one game at a time, hope they avoid elimination, and uh, turn it around and try and do the impossible or something that has never been done before. But, I, I, I mean, there's not much to say. It really does come down to the fact that the Bucks have made shots. Our superstars are missing. Uh, Oladipo obviously being hurt doesn't help because he is the, supposed to be the one that kind of does what Drew Holiday would be do- is doing for the Bucks right now. He would be the one that has to do that for us. But I mean, at the end of the day, where you play with the hand that you're dealt, and it's not looking good in Miami. It's not looking good in South Beach. So uh, I'll take my lumps as a fan. I'm not ready to not ready to wave the white flag, but man, is it looking bleak. It is. It is. You know, I hate takes. You know, I had Miami Heat as well. But uh, let's move on to that next game. Yes, I know a lot were said. And uh, let's go to my team. Uh, we're in the same boat right now. Kind of sad boy hours here. Um, I kind of expected this to happen, Mr. Zizzy. Um, game one, we had a halftime lead. Or it was close. I think we were down by two. They really look good, game one. Like, I'm not going to lie. Here we go. But then... KD thirty two and twelve, <laughs> Kyrie twenty nine and six, and then twenty one nine and eight for James Hardy's. Um, Blake Griffin only had one point, so we stopped Blake Griffin, but like he won't score that much anyway. Um, but dude, it's just so tough. Uh, and how you're going to beat the Nets is you've got to outscore them. You can play some of the best defense you possibly could, but if you play the best defense on KD, well, you still have two potential MVPs. I mean, one uh, was an MVP, that being James Harden. Once upon a time, like. You know, you have to somehow figure out them. Like, Marcus Smart can play up on Kyrie. Okay. Jason Tatum can, you know, play up on KD. But then James Harden, I'm sorry, no one's going to guard James Harden. And if you put Marcus Smart, then you leave Kyrie open. We've been running into this problem. Uh, it sucks when Evan Fournier only has 10 points and 6 assists. He's got to be that next guy up. He's got to be your second leading scorer. Um, Tristan Thompson, 4 points, 7 rebounds. I mean, yeah, the rebounds are nice. you got to be a offensive threat, and that's what's going to get us to win this game is trying to score through the post. I know they still got – you know, the big man down there as well with uh, Blake Griffin, but something's got to go. 22 points is enough. I said Jason Tatum's got to score 40 to even have a chance to win these games. But, yeah, that's kind of like my game one recap of that. It's, it hurts. It really I mean, it's really, it's really all there is to say. I mean, when I I did turn I did turn on the first game one, and I just remember seeing Boston up and saying, like, hang on now, hang on. And then at the end of the first half, you look at the shooting percent. I mean, the Nets had, what, one three? in the first half of game one or something like that. Something, like they yeah. Str- yeah, they were struggling. Um, I want to say the big three themselves, their shooting percentage at the end of the first half was pretty awful. And I was sitting here and saying, do, do the Celtics have an answer? Do they know how to actually play defense on all three of them at the same time? But that's the thing. You can never really hold that for a whole game. At some point, one of them is going to get loose. And you have to be able, like you said, at the end of the game, it's a, I mean, it's, the scoring is the name of the game, but with them, it truly is about just playing better offense because you can exhaust yourself, play as much defense as you possibly can and play great defense while at it, while you're at it. But at the end of the day, this team is not going to get held under a hundred points really ever. I don't know how many times it's happened this season, but I know it's not that much, especially when at least two of the big three play, let alone all three of them. But for Kyrie Irving, I mean, this is the most skilled ball handler, I think, in the league. I, the things that he does with the basketball in his hand, I don't know if anybody really can guard him one-on-one. Kevin Durant is one of the most lethal scorers in NBA history. James Harden is one of the be- is also one of those uh, lethal scorers in NBA history when you're talking about 
Yeah, and points per game. And he handles the ball as the point guard and still gets triple doubles like it's his job. I mean, it is, but still. Like, this team, along with the fact that they have a Joe Harris from outside that can shoot the three so well, along with the fact that they have Blake Griffin who's throwing down M1 dunks like he's back in 2012. uh, I mean, I – this team, DeAndre Jordan, I mean, you've got pieces upon pieces. They're really much deeper than people give them credit for now that we're starting to see them play into the playoffs and be around each other more, have more continuity. Like, this team is deeper than people give, give them credit for. They have possibly the best big three in NBA history. And they're going against <laughs> a team that has – they're going against a team that is just down depleted with some – injuries the key players honestly outmatched they the only thing that's helping them is honestly that they have home court for the next two games yeah and maybe that and maybe that throws off Kyrie or something because obviously he's going to be coming back and returning to Boston for the first time but to me Kyrie doesn't seem like that person that's going to get phased by that he seems like the person that would embrace it so I I mean it's, it's the same thing it looks a little it looks pretty bleak for Boston but it's a little, it's not as bad. I mean, to be honest, I, none of us really came into that thinking like that the Nets are going home in the first round. Like, sorry to say it, but I, you know, it I'm in the same boat. Like, I don't want to say that. I mean, the Nets are the team who I think are going to win the NBA championship as well. But you're right in that game too. Um, oof, Blake Griffin is all the way back. Uh, it was a dunk show. He had like four or five after that first time. Like, he got like fouled pretty bad, and he just went off for four or five dunks, eleven uh points, four assists, three rebounds. Like, no, these aren't crazy stats. These are not, you know prime Blake Griffin stats, but it's a very good fifth man. It's a very good power forward slash center to have down there for, you know, your big three. And uh, when your big three don't want to score, like Kyrie only put up 15, six and six, James Hardy's, you know, 25 uh, and then seven assists. And then Joe Harris goes off for a 25 piece. Like you can have your fourth, your fifth, your sixth option go off for 25. This team is so scary, but you also just food fed them this win here, Yank, in the game two. Jason Tatum. I mean, nine <laughs> points. Come on, man. Uh, Marcus. I mean, they're not left with a pro guy. I don't, I, I know, I know, but you got to play through it. LeBron got You want to talk about you? I know, that's what I'm saying. Even, even Braun, the king of flopping, was yeah, out there. Exactly. Um, you know, like Marcus Smart is not our leading scorer, and he had 19 points, and he was, and we're not going to win games when he does that. And then, you know, Tristan Thompson, you could get on me, Yank. He had 15 and 11. I told him to stop. I know. He did. I know, but. but... <laughs> yeah, see, this is my Daniel Thies rule from shout out last year. We were down by 20 with nine minutes left in garbage time. Yank, he had 11 points, five rebounds. I was checking the stats during the whole game and whatnot. And my stance still stays true because if they would have left the starters in, he wasn't going to go off for 15 and 11. So I'm saying my stance stays, stays true because when he was playing, it was garbo time. But uh, sees, we're hoping for a miracle here. The fingers are crossed. I'll be wearing my Celtics gear until I can't anymore. But uh, that's all I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got. Sometimes the best thing to eat is a slice of humble pie, man. And I think that after we both were riding so high last season, this is the <laughs> NBA gods putting us back down, putting us both down. Yeah, putting <laughs> us both down. <laughs> They're trying to make the podcast real quick. Yeah, they're trying, they're trying to calm us down a little bit, but that's all right. That's all right. But speaking of calming down, uh, Madison Square Garden, New York Knicks <laughs> versus the Atlanta Hawks. Um, 
besides getting spit on, like, yeah, I definitely need to calm down with that. But, uh, okay, yeah. Yank, I love it. This is the storyline, the man of moments. Trey, ice cold young. Yes, 32, 7, and 10. He's becoming a trash talker. He's playing the villain role, Yank, and I absolutely love it. The fans are talking. They put Spike Lee, then Trey Long. Like, it brings back to the Reggie Miller days. Now, I wasn't alive, you know, or, like, you know, able to remember it myself. But I love watching that documentary and, like, his role, Reggie Miller's, like, role and whatnot when playing, like, at New York uh, in front of Spike Lee, et cetera. You know, the whole choking uh, image and whatnot. But I love this. I love how he's like, you know what, take it to Atlanta. Like, hey, it's really quiet up in here. Some other extra words were said. I'm not going to say, but mm-hmm. dude, I absolutely love it. But uh, the fans, y'all, don't take it too far. Stop spitting on people. Like, really? My kindergartners don't even do that. Like, I'm kind of I'm kind of sad about that. You know, those people were, you know, can never come back to a New York Knicks game again. But uh, I love it. I love the Trey Young villain uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, when it comes to the fans thing, I mean, that's just, I mean, treat people how you would want to be treated, be respectful at the end of the day. Sports is always entertainment. Sports is always good for some trash talk, some heckling, but there's always a line that can be crossed. There's always a line that can be crossed with that. And I mean, I I mean, spitting on something? I mean, that's that's a blatant disrespect. I mean, what would you do if somebody just came up to you in the middle middle of walking down the street and just spit on you? Like, think of it as that. Think of it in that scenario. Like, I know I'm not trying to sit here and promote violence or something, but, like, I can't say that I wouldn't swing on somebody for that. Like, like, come on. Now. There, there's just basic human decency to where no matter the scenario, no matter the situation, especially with the fact that this is sports at the end of it. Like, it's a game. It is a game. As much as it, as much as it can mean to some of us, as important as it can be, as entertaining as it can be, it's still a game. And these guys are out there doing filling out their contractual obligations for our entertainment for our benefit to treat them in that way and and i'm referring to trey young getting spat at obviously russell westbrook getting popcorn dumped on his head like there's a there's a line that you don't cross and i mean some of these fans are lucky that the players can't get to them because i'm sure that they would have plenty of things to say and or act upon if they could i know russell westbrook would have after hearing his post-game interview with that but like it it, at some point, that stuff has to stop. But putting that aside, yes. Can we just talk about the fans in general, though? Oh, like, having them back. Like, this is that was what, 16,000? Not even Whoa. close to full capacity. And they're that loud. Like, I'm just watching it on the, I'm watching it. Like, I can feel the energy. I almost get goosebumps watching the game. Just hearing them go off and and like seeing the players get into it and feeling the electricity every time there's a big shot. Like this is basketball, and I'm so excited that now that the playoffs are coming around and teams are allowing fans back in, it's just made watching the games so much more fun again. And then with that being said, you've got Trey Young, this up and coming first two games that he's ever played in the playoffs. And in the first game, he drops a game winner, game winning floater after being unguardable. The whole game. I mean, this guy's the truth. He's coming out dropping 30 plus points in both games that he's played in the play. I mean, this is the man right here that is showing up for Atlanta. Now, wasn't able to pull out the dub in the first game, but we got an even series. Like, this is a series. And we can talk about it on the other side, too. The reason for that would be players like Derrick Rose, Julius Randle showed up in the second half of game two. I mean, there's storyline after storyline. 
and it's the New York Knickerbockers that are at the bottom of it. And, of course, that only hypes up us as fans even more. But this is a series. This is a series. We've got a villain. We've got a close series. We've got the most improved player on one side. Like, I, I mean, this is what, – what else do you want to say? I mean, the youngest MVP of all time in Derrick Rose, the former MVP. He's back. Oh, and, yeah. and he's back. I mean, this is he's been talking about this is a dream for him. You got him. You got Julius Randle most improved on one side. Then you got Trey Young, the all-star and the new Madison Square Garden Knicks villain, plus all of his boys riding with I mean, this, this is what you want to see. And this is a 4-5 matchup if I've ever seen it. Pretty much head-to-head, toe-to-toe, evenly matched. Who's going to be able to make the bigger push? And I think we'll see with game three tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I mean – you said a lot of things, you know, kind of rehabbing what I was as well. But, you know, it's so cool to see Derrick Rose coming alive again. 26-4-4? Four four? Those are great on, numbers. Man. And Derrick Rose even said, you know, I hate people saying that I'm back or, like, I am how I used to. Like, no way. I'm not jumping out through the gym. I'm not making all these elite, quick moves. He's playing the game of how his body will let him. And, you know, with his, you know, surgeries, his knees, his, you know, overall body and how old, how old Derrick Rose is. And he's now put up, you know, great numbers in the playoffs. Like, he's knowing how to play with his body. And it's really cool to see him just adapt into his role as a veteran, as a leader. And you did say it. You know, he helped out the most improved player this year, Julius Randle. Yeah, he had 15 and 12 in both games. 15 points, 12 rebounds. That's great. That's good. But I don't think that's going to win you a series. So you need to have Alec Burks go off for 27 points. Who? Burks off the bench? Um (laughs) If you, if you want to win this series, without a doubt, and I think, you know, the, they still won a game with Julius Randle not being full flash, that most improved player. If you want to win this easily, Julius Randle's got to go off for 20-10, and 10, and they got it in the bag. Um, but if you have lower stats there for Julius Randle and you let Trey Young keep on, you know, being ice cold, be that villain, then you're going to possibly game seven, which as a fan, I would absolutely love. As, you know, me wanting the Knicks to win this game or this series, we got to turn that around. Oh, 100%. But at the same time, I mean, I feel pretty confident with them. I mean, for them to get their first playoff victory in how many years? I mean, for them to 13, be able to have – I think yeah, I may be for wrong. Them to be that. Able to build up, for Julius Randle to shake Since off – 2013, that's what it was. Yeah, for, from Julius Randle to shake off his funk from game one towards the end of game two, that'll help him get into rhythm. Um because they're going to need him. They, they have to have him if they're going to be able to do anything in the playoffs, let alone get out of this series. Uh, but if Derrick Rose continues to play the way that he does, Julius Randle finds his rhythm. I mean, and then, of course, I, I don't see any reason that Trey Young is going to slow down. He always has been a proficient scorer, in my opinion. So um, when you talk about these two teams, it's pretty even down the line. I, I'm excited to see how this one goes. But it's going to be action-packed and electric in the arenas, that's for sure. Yes, and this whole playoffs, like we started this episode, has been, you know, just electric storylines and whatnot. And everything, man. I mean, this is playoff time. This is what we're built for. This is what everybody talks about for all year. This is what everyone creates the narratives for. I mean, there's some players that they don't even care what they do in the regular season, like they're because they're already so proven. Like some of these guys in the regular season, LeBron, KD. Harden, all that, like they are so proven in the regular season that some of us don't care what they necessarily do because we know we know what they're going to do. We know they're going to give us triple doubles. We know they're going to give us 25, 5, and 5. 
But when it comes down to it, this is the storyline. This is where who's going to go get the ring, who's going to make the push, who's going to dominate when they need to, who proves them their worth when they need to. And, I mean, I'm about it. I'm here for it. No, yeah. And, you know, I do want to talk about, you know, a few of these other storylines. Oh, and, yeah, man. Get into let's, it. Let's, let's just make the new ownership of the Los Angeles Clippers be Luca. Um, Luca is your father. <laughs> he is your owner. I don't really know how you want to go about this, but again, Luca balling out against the Clippers, and they're up 2 0. Uh, the Clippers are in the uh oh zone. We'll call it that. We'll keep it a little clean here. Um, Yank, what do the Clippers got to do to even maybe steal a game from Luca and the Mavericks? Uh, they got to stop Luca. That's literally <laughs> it. That's literally it. I wish that I had a better answer for them, but it's not like they didn't score the ball. I mean, Kawhi Leonard had 41, and he had 30 in the first half of game two. Paul, Paul George dropped 24. I mean, I mean they, they are doing – they're scoring the ball. I've been one to come out and say – and I was a little bit worried after game one. I was talking about Pandemic P showing up again and not being able to score the ball when he needed to, but Luka Doncic, is an absolute superstar and the stuff that he can do at the age that he's doing it. I, I, I really just, when it comes down to it, I think I just need to stop and apologize to the Dallas Mavericks. I did not give them enough credit or really even think about what had happened in the series last year before, when we were making our predictions and talking yeah. about the series. I mean, think about it last year, the Clippers won a, the series four, two, but Luca gave them buckets the whole series, hit them with game winners carried the Mavs to two of those wins and they didn't have Kristaps basically yeah. that whole basically that entire series now I know when we talked about the prediction for this year for this season uh, between these two teams I said now if Kristaps Porzingis shows up they'll have a chance but I didn't really think it was gonna he was gonna show up in the way that he's shown up I didn't think that Luca was gonna ball just at like as much as he truly is. I mean, how can you account for 39, 40-point games? <laughs> I mean, what can you do with that? Especially with the shots that he hits. It's not like these are wide open, like he's finding his spots. Like, no, he's falling off one leg, fading out from five feet behind the three-point line. I mean, these, these are incredible circus shots as he, he is putting up and continuing to hit over and over and over again. Luca has this team's number. And if they do not double or triple team him to force the ball out of his hands and make somebody else beat them, the Clippers are going to lose this series. And, you know, they might. And here's kind of my kind of digest of this, Yank, is you got to rebound the basketball. It's rebounds equals rings out here in this atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just sucks when Kawhi Leonard in game two scores 41.6 rebounds for assists. Like, that's great stat line. And then your second person in crime, your number two, Paul George, Pandemic P, playoff P, scores 28 and 12 and six assists. Those are great stat lines. That's playoff P. I'll give you that name. And then Reggie Jackson scoring 15. When I hear those stats, I expect, oh, they probably won the game. Luca, 39-7-7. Tim Hardaway Jr. going off for 28. And Porzingis is just out, you know, I would say out reboundings down there, down low. And he's yeah. putting up 20 points. Um, yeah, Zubak is not the answer for your big man down there. Losing Montrezl Harrell absolutely kills this L.A. Clippers team, and we're seeing it now here in the playoffs. Serge Ibaka, yeah, you're good. You're mm -hmm. older now. Um, you're not going to get – you know, you're getting out-rebounded by Luca Porzingis and Maxi Kleber, who's their forward, and I think he's going to be a better uh, 
rebounder down there for the Mavericks. And uh, if you want to win this game, you just got to get down and dirty, get those rebounds. Don't let them get those second chance points to win this series. And I'm going to be really interested to see if they can do that. Uh, but they have to. It's going to be crazy if, especially if the Clippers get swept. The Clippers name like by they're they're back in the basement of the L.A. You know, the little brother of Los Angeles. So. I don't know, Mister Sizzy. You know, it's a lot of reputations on the on the line here. Kawhi is probably gone too. If you lose no, that's this, what, well, you put up those numbers. I mean, I mean, that's the thing too. I've already heard those rumors start. If they lose, is Kawhi on the move again? I mean, he very well could be. But I mean, at the same time, though, like I know he dropped forty one, but I don't want to. I don't want to let Kawhi Leonard off the hook here. I really don't, because at the end of the day. I feel like he needs to take that leadership role to the next level at some point. At the, I mean, he's obviously the best player on this team. I know that him being the vocalized person on the court it hasn't always been him, and it really isn't him. But at some point, when you're the face of the franchise, when you're the person that is out there in the commercials saying you're the new king of L.A., when you got to have all this stuff, when you're the one that is uh, purposely going to the other team in L.A. to challenge the Lakers – at least so it seemed a year and a half ago, you have to change the, the trajectory of this series. Like, I understand 41 points is 41 points, but whatever you have to do to ignite your team, it's on him. It's going to come back to being on him. I know he's not the coach. I know he's not, but this is his team. And for him to be now down 2-0 in a first-round series, in which it looked like they purposely lost to get there. True. It does not look good for them. It doesn't look good for him, but it doesn't, look, and it doesn't look good for them as a whole. The Clippers are in serious trouble, and if they don't fix this series, if they don't win this series, nobody is going to give them any credit. Nobody's going to take anybody seriously. Kawhi's legacy will be significantly impacted, and I hate to say that, but it will be if they do not make it out of this series. Mr. Zizzi. Amazing, oh my God. amazing take. I love, it. I love it. Um, you're so you're so right. Um, one thing I was you know not looking, I was just looking at the gameplay of the games, but that X factor, that off the court or you know on the bench or talking to one another type of atmosphere, and the, you know Kawhi Leonard's never been known for that. LeBron James definitely has. He was yelling in Codwell Pope's ear, "I want you to shoot the basketball," He's giving him so much support and confident boost. You know CP3, who we know, and Derrick Rose, that we know definitely benefit their team by talking to them, teaching them. And I don't think Kawhi maybe doesn't do that. I know he won a series pretty much by himself, you could say, when he was with the Raptors. Like, awesome season. You know, there's some other elements that happened in that series as well. But, like, yeah, he, he was kind of the one-man show, and he had Frank, uh, Frank Van Fleet ball out for him as well that series. But, like, you got your dudes balling. You got your teammates balling. You got your bench players doing well. You got to have that last aspect, aspect of the game in that leadership slash – what are you going to do to help motivate your guys? Yeah, I mean, we all want Battle of L.A. At some point, I really still <laughs> feel like people want that, and I just don't understand how it got, got built up to be such a big thing when the Clippers, it really, I mean, it has been the Clippers have let down their end of the bargain over and over again now. Um, it's just, it's hard, it's, it's, a, it's frustrating, honestly, as a fan to see. It's annoying. It, it is. We definitely see that L.A., L.A. battle. Um, you know, if you said they're king of L.A., but you haven't made it anywhere. I mean, the Lakers wouldn't want a championship. Like, LeBron is back with the – like, if we're talking king of L.A., he definitely has the crown there. But uh, 
yeah, Clips, I'm really excited to see what they can do if they can make this big 2-0 uh, comeback happen. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, and the thing is, too, to worry about is now they're going to Dallas. Like, they went down 0-2 at home. Nothing really looks great for them either. But, again, this is a team that on paper I still believe is the better team. It's just can they change? Can they change the trajectory? Can they change the trajectory? Can they move improve moving forward? Obviously, that's always the question. The playoffs, but we will see. Moving on, there in the West is the match of us happening right now. I know we haven't talked too much about it. Um, game three is happening right now. The series is tied between the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns. Uh, highly anticipated matchup. We talked about the hype of the seventh seed being favored in this matchup. And uh, Yank, oh, I love that first game. Don't get me wrong. The Suns were <laughs> cooking. AD wasn't playing well. LeBron wasn't playing well. Um, this was great. D-Book was going off. Aiton was having a field day. And then you get to game two, and you finally see how good this Lakers team can be. Dennis Schroeder is a perfect fit for LeBron James and Anthony Davis to facilitate the basketball Kuz coming off the bench, and that's just disrespectful. Kyle Kuzma is a great player, and I will say that just watching him play. Uh, he has his off day, don't get me wrong, but he's a starter in the NBA. You have the centers in the rebounding. Now, the Suns can get kind of small when Aiton's not in the game, so he gets in foul trouble. Um, yeah, you have Marcus All, whose passing's incredible, his three point shooting incredible, and he's a big man who can rebound the basketball. You have Montrez Harold, the sixth man of the year last year, like he was a should have been a starter. The reason why the Clippers are losing, like I said earlier, on your bench, and then or uh, slash sometimes starting and whatnot, and then you have AD, of course, who's finally taken to the rack and he shot twenty one free throws. Yank, are you playing me in two K right now with Brad Pace shooting the basketball <laughs> free throws all the time? This was blasphemous. I was on the other side of it. Now, finally, I was on the other side of seeing twenty one free throws. Like I felt like Cheyenne playing in the house. Like it sucked. So sorry, Cheyenne. I mean, I still got the Larry O'Brien trophy here in the crib, but. <laughs> That's how it felt, and I was just like, oh, my goodness, stop with the fouls. But, uh, you know, that's what you can do when you have all these big men that can just keep on attacking, attacking. And this series is everything is dreamed up to be so far. And, you know, game two right now, or game three, it's only a one-point game. So it's a it, it really exciting series. Yeah, I mean, this is – I mean, I don't see anybody that would come into this thinking that it wasn't going to be a great series. I mean, the Suns are a number two team in the West. For a reason, oh, it's yeah. not like they. It's not like that. This was all luck. I mean, they won every game in the bubble last season. You started to see the chemistry, the improvement, the continuity coming together with DeAndre Ayton starting to be a but starting to be a budding talent. And then you go pick up CP3, who obviously has the winning effect. And you see what they can do with a great coach of Monty Williams. I mean, they go and they take the number two seed, almost were the number one seed, honestly, by the end of it all. Um, and they come into this team, and the, honestly, they just got a hard draw. You go against the defending champion Lakers, who are just now getting healthy for the first time, and you call it. Um, the first game, again, shout out to the Sun, man. I mean, they they are an incredible team, and there's no there's no reason to doubt that. And then you go into game two, and again, it's the same thing. You're going against the defending champion Lakers, who after a loss in the first game of the playoffs at in the season where they're defending the championship, you expect them to come out hard. You expect them to come out aggressive. Anthony Davis had already said himself, game one's on me. He played horribly, only had 13 points in that game one loss. Like, he comes out, 
takes it to the hole, gets fouled over and over again. I mean, when you're 6'10 and you're out there <laughs> and flailing your arm, I mean, you're going to get hit. Then when you got other big men around you, like Drummond, who's obviously got uh, – is a little bit of a tank down low. You got Montrez Harrell. You oh, got yeah, Marcus I forgot Harrell. about yeah, the big yeah. superstar. Yeah, yeah, you got Andre Drummond. Yeah, Andre Drummond down there. You got Marc Gasol. You got Montrez Harrell. LeBron James himself isn't even a big man, but he's in 6'9". It's not like this team is tiny at all by any They outsize them. They outsize, they outsize them in general. And then, of course, there's the big issue, which honestly I think is going to come down to what may decide the series is the health of CP3. When you yep. talk about this team, I don't care how good the Suns are. They're not the same team without CP3. I mean, I mean, they can be great. They can be competitive. They still, I mean, DeAndre Ayton shot 10 of 11 in game one, shot 11 of 13 in game two, and he's five of five so far tonight. This man is not missing on the court. But at the same time, I just simply do not understand or will be able to comprehend how this team is still at the same level that they were all season if Chris Paul cannot play at full health at some point again in this series. Um I know he's laboring. I know he's going to try and play his minutes when he can. But, I mean, this he went from, what, playing 30 to 35 minutes a game to game two he could only afford 20 because he's a liability to himself yeah. and the team at this point. I mean, the man can't shoot and he can't give the passes that he normally does. It's a big-time effect on their team. And then on top of that, to make things worse, like we've been talking about, they're going against one of the greatest of all times in LeBron and the defending champion Lakers who are not shy when it comes to death. So, I, I mean, it's it's looking a little bit harder for the Suns moving forward. But like you said, it's a two-point game here in game three. Series is tied one-to-one. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what happens with this down the stretch. But um, I, I, I don't know, man. This <laughs> It's a toss-up, but at the same time, you know what I'm going to say. LeBron, they lost in the first round. I ain't going to see it happen. Hey, uh, you know, you said so much, and CP3's health will be an impact. <laughs> no, and I, I mean, you're saying things, you know, just about this series, except for that last part with him winning the series. Um, <laughs> but CP3 it just needs to be on the court, whether, you know, he's not a big stat packer, you know, big stat patter. You know, it's kind of like a Steve Nash back in the day. Like, his stats weren't just, you know, the best. I but mean, like, he's I one of those guys him. that makes his – people better yeah, yeah Steven he's, he's not a stat pattern because that's not what he goes for but yeah. his impact on the team like he'll end the amazing. game with 18 assists like no matter what that looks crazy good in stats yes. so. and the biggest influence or excitement i get from watching this series is jay crowder he was on the miami hustlers and he's still hustling for this team his defense is one of the best in the league uh just how he plays his tenacity his just energy on the core I absolutely love. And he's been a kind of a liability at three, don't get me wrong, this series. But if you get a Jay Crowder or a Cameron Payne to pop off for the Suns team, that's what you need to win. You need one person to go off for a 25-30 piece, like a Jay Crowder going off for 30, to, you know, win a game. They need to win you a game, one, one of these, you know, games down the road here to really solidify this series. You can't have D-Book winning every single game or DeAndre Ayton. And uh, well, Jay Crowder should be the guy I'm looking for. At some point, yeah. they're going to get keyed on. I mean, this is the playoffs, and they're going against, again, the defending champions. Like, these guys know their scouting report. They know what's going to happen at some point. Um, 
It's at some point it is going to have to be somebody else. I know they've had Cameron Payne, who played a really really big game too, stepping in for yeah. Chris Paul. But it's just a matter of how consistent can they be. They are still young. They are still inexperienced. This is still only Devin Booker's third career playoff game. Will they be able to sustain this level of play? We'll see. I mean, they've looked decent tonight through game three as well. But, I, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to sustain against a championship-winning team, um, especially when your best player, your leader, speak, uh, so to speak, is not, a, is not as available. Yeah, and, you know, it – it is. Yeah, your leader is not available, and that's why I am looking to those people. And the Suns team is nice. You know, you look at it from the jerseys on down, and, like, when I was talking about Jay Crowder, like, the number 99, so cool. You've never seen it before. Uh, you know, i got to give Jay Crowder, uh, you know, a little little love on here. I'm not going to lie. If I saw number 99, I'd let him shoot. I'd let him shoot. <laughs> hey, you know, yeah. <laughs> on Miami, I was loving him. He was a one-time on the Boston Celtics as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really going to come down to the wire of who's going to help out that, you know, mini three slash big two with D book and CP three. Um, or is the Lakers depth, like you said, just going to overpower and outlast the Phoenix suns. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think tonight's night is a much bigger game for the suns than it is the Lakers. Um, if the suns go down in the series, I don't know if they'll recover. I just don't know because just based on an experience against the, the team that they're playing. I mean, I just, I just, I would not be surprised if they go down. That would it's an over. It's a looming like distraction for all of that. I mean, it's it's a mountain to climb if you go down in the series. Whereas if the Lakers go down, I can still bet on the veteran experience that you know what they've been here before. They can handle that situation. Why not be able to come back? I would just feel more comfortable for the Lakers if they went down two one than the Suns at this point. Um, but we'll have more to talk about on the next episode with that. I'm sure. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, this is a very exciting series with everyone's, you know, tuning into. Absolutely. And then, of course, I mean, got a few more series to talk about for sure. I would love to discuss the Utah-Memphis series, of course. Um, and then, of course, Denver. I mean, we got Denver-Portland. We got Philly-Washington and Utah-Memphis. Take your pick, man. Where you want to go? Um, you know, let's just make this a quick one with Washington and Philly. Philly's a better team. They're proving it. Bradley Bill's not playing at 50. Russell Westbrook's, you know, getting popcorn thrown on once again. We already talked to the fans. Y'all need to, you know, take it, take it down a few notches. But uh, they're showing the better team. Cheyenne, for some reason, putting bets on Washington. Stop that. They're proving <laughs> this round one matchup. But they are the better team. And then round two is really going to see if this Philadelphia 76ers team is a real deal. They're going to, you know, hey, we're here. But can they perform when they get there and they beat that round one matchup being Washington? I really don't have much to say about that. Just like. There's the better team. No, no I mean, no. And it's a, just another one of those things where it kind of sucks in my mind when you talk about Russell Westbrook because everybody wants to talk about how he doesn't get enough credit for the triple doubles, how he is the walking triple double, how he's such a competitor, an athlete. I mean, like his athletic explosiveness for a point guard is unmatched, in my opinion, except for maybe someone like one of the new up and comers, like John Morant, maybe. But like his athleticism is ridiculous. The stats that he puts up is ridiculous. But, again, you're down 2-0 in the first round and you're going against a team that is obviously much better than yours, in my opinion. Yep. Like, it just sucks, in my opinion, that we got to sit here and deal with Russell Westbrook having to fight the label of, oh, he'll never win again and again and again. And it continues to happen. But at the same point, what can you really say for him, at, like, this year? Especially, I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers are the better team. They have a better coach. They have better superstars. I mean, 
Joel Embiid, what he can do footwork-wise and shooting for seven feet tall is unheard of. What Ben Sim- Ben Simmons can't shoot the ball, but he is so strong and big. He's a power forward playing point guard. I mean, and then they added the shooting from Seth Curry. You had Tobias Harris. I mean, they they are a good, a very good team, and they're number one seed in the East for a reason. Like they're number one seed over Brooklyn. That tells you all that you really need to know. Um, it just, I mean, it's unfortunate for the Wizards, but yeah, it's it's a better team. Honestly, the biggest bigger story out of this series through the first two games was the popcorn being dumped on Westbrook because again, <laughs> we just gotta you gotta know as a fan there is limits and levels to this. You cannot you cannot cross that line. But aside from that, I just I feel for Brody, man. That's all I really got. I do too. Uh, big wrestle Westbrook fan. I absolutely love how he plays. You know, reminds myself back in the intramural days. <laughs> um, no, but you know, I hope he <laughs> really? does get on a winning <laughs> a winning team down the road. Uh, but you know, the other series, um, I don't have too much on that Portland Denver series. Just besides, it's going to be a series. a series. Yeah, it's a series, and it's going to be fun to watch. You know, a potential game seven, like we already predicted. Uh, two teams are going head to head. Two powerhouses and be really fun to see if you know dame can i just love it. he just pulls up from the logo legit just nonchalantly splash like easy as can be yep every single time and i mean the stats that he can the stats that damian Lillard continues to produce when it's in clutch moments or big time games is just unfathomable unfathomable not damn. always yeah i know right over here tongue twisting myself that's how good it is but still um, him and CJ McCollum have been an incredible backcourt. Um, Nikola Yurk, having or not Nikola, uh, but having Nurkic back has been really, really nice to him. Powell has been a good surprise mm-hmm. for them coming into the playoffs. So I mean, they they've had they've had people produce. I mean, we, always living like mellow, got to show him up always. Yes, but sir. I mean, but I, I mean, this is a very tough team. Like I said, they have won eleven out of thirteen coming into the playoffs. They get that surprise underdog win in game one to go up 1-0, which is big, especially with Denver not having Jamal Murray. Um, but this is going to be a series. I mean, the Nuggets ba- bounce back with when you've got the MVP favorite. Now that Stephen Curry didn't make the playoffs especially, like you got the MVP favorite and Jokic leading the team and showing exactly why he should be that MVP in game two. I mean, this is going back and forth. Even now in game three, it's been back and forth this point. And uh, it's a four-point game, so uh, right before halftime. So uh, I'm just really interested to see where this goes. I think we'll kind of have a better idea of how stuff stands after Game Four because oh, I could sure. very, I could very easily see this uh, series being tied two-two after four games. Uh, but really, really, it's just a matter of like, can people, can you stop Jokic as far as being a ball handler and a scorer from a big man perspective? Because you don't see somebody that can pass and score at his size like like that very often. And then for Denver, like who's going to cover Dame? Who's going to cover CJ McCall? I mean, those two to get. I mean, we talk about them every single time. Yet nobody seems to have an answer. Do you just not have an answer when somebody pulls up from the logo? I mean, maybe not. But <laughs> do but what you did I, against Steph. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens, but. That I mean, the, you just got a key on the stars. When it comes down to the playoffs, you got a key on the stars because that's where the ball's going. P- Portland's been playing a two-player game for years. That's where it's going. 
and they've been winning series. Dame's been hitting clutch shots right in front of people's faces. Like we've seen it before, and hopefully the Nuggets don't if get they got, I just wish sometimes I wish that Portland had a bigger market, man. Because if they had a big three down there, I just don't know. I mean, I know I'm not saying that Nurkic is a bad big man or anything like that either, but like but you put you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Imagine like them having 80. like a year or an Embiid or when or what before Giannis signed his max with Milwaukee. Yeah. Like can you imagine if he yeah. showed up there like oh Giannis Dame, CJ, Nurkic. That yeah, but that's all I really gotta say on that one. Yeah, uh you know it leads to the last one which is the Memphis Memphis Utah series and it's tied. I mean once again Memphis is coming out as this underdog Right, one one. Sorry, I was looking at yeah, my no, yeah, yeah, uh, right. stats. Here's one, one. Double checking. Um, oh my goodness, we have another series. Memphis is out here balling. You got Brooks and Jaw, uh, just trying everything to beat this number one team, and they ended up dude beating them. But then Donovan Mitchell came back, quiet all the haters. Their shooting is so good. Just watching the game, I see Joe Ingles in the corner hit a three. I get excited. Like that's awesome. They're just playing pickup basketball out there. And uh, Utah, well, this will be a great warm-up game because Memphis is kind of showing some life. But it's going to be a great kind of tune-up game, tune-up series for this Utah Jazz to make a deep run in the playoffs. And it'll be really interesting to see if, you know, Donovan Mitchell stays healthy. And just Rudy Gobert continue to go off. His stats are definitely up there. One of the best centers in the league. I mean, I'll go to battle for him. Talk about how good he actually is, especially defending, and he, how he just tips every you know ball for a block. But yeah, uh, he's a, he's a shot blocker, a defender. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a great series, which I sure. really didn't think it was going to be this great of a series through two games, let alone in general. I was still, I personally thought that Utah would come out and win this four-one, and they still have a chance to do that. I'm not saying they won't, but. As far as like the energy and the look that the Memphis Grizzlies give me when I'm watching them play this game, like people don't realize what John Morant did in game two, that is the most points ever by somebody of his age or younger. He just sure. broke LeBron James's record in the playoffs for that. Like, oh, rising superstar. That, like rising superstar. Yeah, when you're talking about that. Absolutely. And I mean, the stuff that he does, like when I talk about the athleticism and stuff earlier, I know that Rudy Gobert blocked it and we talked about him being an elite shot blocker, but this man really tried to absolutely crank a dunk on Rudy Gobert. <laughs> like, I mean, brought it back to his hip, it looked like, and about slammed it on this man. And I mean, took, got blocked, got absolutely like facial block back down to the ground and then still gets up and continues to go on and drop 47 and give them life and a chance. And I know, like you said, they've had Dylan Brooks. They've got Valanchunas down low. Like they have a solid squad and they've been playing hot coming in, obviously winning their two playing games and winning game one. But let's remember game one, they only won by three, even with John Dylan Brooks playing that they, how they did. And the jazz didn't have Donovan Mitchell. What I am now realizing after seeing the Jazz play in game two, John Moran scored 47 and they lost by 12. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell is fantastic. I would have said, said this in the playoffs last year. The man averaged almost 45 in the playoffs in the oh, one yeah. series last year. But that man is a finisher. He's a closer. He's a competitor. 
the fact that I mean, he to show that competitive spirit when he's got the bum ankle a little bit and gets mad at the organization because he wants to play. You understand what the organization is trying to produce to do, uh, oh. trying to do protecting him, especially when they're going against the A seed. Why not give it a chance to rest for the first game? But to see him come back, play the way that he did, attack the attack the lane, make the shots they need to make, and then continue to see the overall ball movement, the overall defense. I mean, the Jazz are an incredible team. And I don't know – I know we've always talked about them being high and mighty this season, but I don't know if it's just because, like, I hadn't really watched one of their games in a while. But they, they are very, very talented. They are very, very dangerous, no matter who they play this season um, moving forward in these playoffs. Um, I just don't know if Memphis is going to have enough. Like, even with Ja playing the way he's playing, you score 47 and you still lose by 12? I mean, the Jazz scored 141 points in game two. Like, they are electrifying, and there's a reason they why. They shoot the lights out of the ball. That's why. They're, yeah, they're, they're electrifying. They shoot lights out. They have a closer and a stud superstar at the helm. And you're the number one team in the West, which is by far the hardest of the two conferences, in my opinion. Like you, they have every reason and they have every reason moving forward that they should be able to control this series. And I still expect them to, but I'm not, I just, I mean, you got to sit here and obviously give Memphis credit, but the jazz are real, man. They really are. They are. It's just everyone's doing their job. Everyone's playing to, like, you know, their best of their ability. And it's awesome to see, you know, yeah, Utah come alive and put, you know, their franchise on the map. Yeah, and I know not everybody might be as excited for that. They're going to be like, oh, well, the final. What if what if they go to the finals? We're going to have a finals in Salt Lake. Bring it on, man. Hey, Bring it go. on. We got to do it. Show, show up for the county. But, Sorry, I, I was know. just watching a highlights of the Denver Portland game and Dame just yammed it down. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it, man. But uh here we are, man. I mean, it is the playoffs. It's still early. It's the first round. It's kind of crazy to think that we've got, I don't know, what, two more rounds and then the finals. So oh, yeah. we're gonna be debating and talking for a long time coming. But you got any hot takes for me as we uh, close out this series? Oh, of course. My hot take tonight is the Suns are going to end up winning this game that we're watching. Uh, They're going to pull it off, go up 2-1, put some pressure on L.A., and uh, it's going to get me excited going into a fantastic weekend. All right, all right. See, now I would never agree with that. I just just can't because – Oh, of course not. You just know me. the Lakers again. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the experience. I'm gonna bet on the fact that they have LeBron and AD. I'm gonna bet on the fact that Schroeder has been playing pretty pretty well going into this series, and the fact that CP3 is a little bit hobbled. So I will rely on all those. Your hot take for tonight will be wrong. However, I have a hot take of my own going into tomorrow. I want to say it's tomorrow's game. Do Uh-oh. your C's play tomorrow? They do. They bounce back in game three and they win. Let's go. Stand up, Boston. I'm not saying I will not say anything for the series, but I have to. They're going to give me hope. I'm going to eat eat my slice of humble pie. The Heat have a better chance, have a much better chance of getting swept than the Celtics do, in my opinion. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? 
Yeah, I mean, we're all you're down three all right now. It's legit. One <laughs> I mean, I know by record, you. by record of the series, it's technically true what I'm saying because Milwaukee only has to win one compared to the Nets two. But when you're talking about the opponent they're playing, I mean, we picked the Heat to win this series. I had them winning in six games. Now they're yep. talking. Now I'm talking about them getting swept. So that's my hot take. We'll go. All right, stand up. Hope. Give me hope, Boston. Give me the hope. <laughs> all right, everybody, and we'll see you next time for episode six. If you're talking sports, this is a matchup. Mickey here with Zizzy. Yeah, we cutting it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is. The Mickey Zizzy podcast. Peace. Peace.